Let's just take a moment, shall we, and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you now for today's uh, time, this little message. We pray that it would be your words, not my words. That they would be what is needed for our lives. That they would draw us ever closer to you, Lord Jesus, for that is your desire. And we just thank you now for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you turn with me um, to the book of Philippians? Philippians chapter 1. This is kind of unusual because um, usually with a message I have one verse of scripture for the text, but the Lord gave me two. So. <clears throat> The book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, this is Paul speaking, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I remember as a very young Christian, the first time I read this verse, it was one of those verses that just brings me to a skinny halt. Um, and I camped out there for a while. Uh, as, I, as I thought about it in understanding Paul's life and what he was before. And these words were just so inspiring to me that it's a perfect perspective for each and every Christian to have. To have these. In the second verse of Scripture, no need to turn to it, is found in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. We're going to look at a series of questions this morning. Five questions. We're going to look at who is Christ. For the vast majority of you, I know you already know that. Why he is essential to our very being. What should we be doing as Christians? Where should we represent Jesus Christ? And how are we perceived as Christians for Jesus Christ? Back to the first question, who is Jesus Christ? Well, he is God, isn't he? Amen. Amen. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. He is also the Savior of the entire world. The entire world does not embrace Him, but He is nonetheless their Savior. But it is an individual's choice to accept that. John 1, 12, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in His name. <clears throat> The question for each and every one of us today, is He truly our Redeemer? Do we, as Alex and I talked this morning, do we have in our possession a fast pass that can only be paid for by His blood? So when the trumpet sounds, or we breathe our last breath here on earth, we're there. It is either yes or no. 
It is only possible if we have that fast pass of redemption. Without it, we have the other destination, no. Why is he essential, in the second question, to our very being? Why? Simply because we can't possibly exist as Christians without him. We cannot. We can try and put up a good front. We can have plenty of jargon. Know all the Christian sayings. Know the Bible. We have principles. Know doctrine. But without him in control of our lives, it's impossible to lead the life of a Christian. When we come to know him, he changes us. And we no longer become typical, shallow, vain people. <coughs> I was a shallow, vain person before Jesus Christ. I was a child of darkness. Those of you who know him know you were also. John 14.26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. That's how we survive as Christians. <clears throat> Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't he? Yes. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Each and every one of those become our possession the moment, the millisecond that conversion takes place. And we're not talking about our character, but those that fruit of the Spirit is ours. People say, well, you know, I've always been kind of a loving person, different love. This love only comes from one place. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 nails it down. Okay? It is God's love, unique love, for the first time in our life, to be able to love the unlovable. Amen. Who before Christ could do that? You could maybe talk a good talk about it, but you couldn't do it. In the back of your mind, you're like, do anything you get away. It's just the human nature of the unregenerated person. But all of a sudden, we have the ability, don't we? We have a crazy peace when we come to Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, it's just not like anything. People manufacture peace in their lives. There are those kind of personalities where they just hone and polish to be peaceful. But boy, like Sylvia says, when you scratch a person the wrong way, the real person comes out and that fabricated peace bomb, disappears. The fruit of the Spirit is ours. He gives us purpose for our lives, and He gives us direction. Spiritually speaking, that motivates and controls our entire life, if He's in control. If you're struggling, here's a verse to go to that just kind of ends the struggle. Hopefully. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen. It just puts it in perspective. 
There is no sharing control with Jesus Christ. We either value who our Savior is, go back to conversion, go back to when you bent the knee and you wept and you needed Him. I needed Him. And He came into our lives. How glorious was that? That's never to change. But people do change. Our character can go in one of two directions as Christians. Our character, if we're surrendered and walking with Him, can become more like Him. Amen. And life is good. Amen. Life is great. <clears throat> but if we want to get stubborn, if we want to become egotistical, <coughs> He'll let you. He'll let me. And life will become miserable. Oh, maybe we'll put up a good front. But that won't cut it. There's nothing real in it. Why? Why do people persist in it? It makes no sense. Because he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He wants nothing but the best for us. He knows what the best is for every one of us. Amen. So it doesn't make sense. He who put the world into being, the universe, everything, the sovereign God, personally desires to love us and change us because we need to change. We need to evolve into being a servant for Christ. That's why he's essential. What should we be doing as Christians? Next question. Let's go back to Philippians 121 for a minute. Unless we have Paul's perspective every day all day. Life is not going to work. It's just not. If a lot of things are going wrong in your life, go back to that scripture. For to me, to live as Christ, to die, gain. He knew that. He was there. He got stoned. He died. He saw heaven. But God said, no, you don't need to talk about it. Why? Who knows, if he went back and told the saints, there may have been mass suicide to get there. Because it's so good. It's so marvelous, our end. Why do we find him here? When he has such wonderful things for us planned, plus here, to bless us, to help us. How often we get in his way in things. What do we demonstrate in our life on a daily basis? How is our conversation? Are we a lighthouse, first and foremost, in our homes, in our jobs, in the activities we go through with our neighbors? Do they see a difference? Assuming they're not, say, Christians. Can they instantly know that there's something different about this person or not? Where should we represent Christ? Oh, easy, easy answer is everywhere. Again, what we think, what we say is what propels us in our life as people see it. 
Let us not grow weary in doing good. Are we growing weary in doing good? Is it harder now to do good? Or are we still inspired by our Savior? We need to be inspired daily by our Savior. Amen. You know, at the job site, we have the most wonderful opportunity, and those of us who have worked with the Collier's Group in the purchases of building as ambassadors for Jesus Christ, every individual who goes to that job site to do something, never forget you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And if you don't think they know, every single one of those workers, that that's a church, they do. They expect to see a difference in us. May God help us to show them that difference. It's a great opportunity. We've told each and every person that's had anything to do with the building, to build it, to help with it, you're invited to the dedication. Please come. I'm praying and hoping that we have a great crowd of the workers who have been there. They come. And this way, can lead them to Christ. At home, parents, do our children see us praying and studying, not just reading, but studying the scriptures? Do they see the right examples? How's our integrity in our life? How are Christ's principles working? If we're walking with them, they're working. I remember I was in sales for 30 years. And you know, you go to, those of you who are in sales, you know what I'm talking about. You go to national sales meetings, and um, sometimes evening meetings would be a dinner meeting. Um, I personally made sure there was no chance that anybody, if alcoholic beverages were served, you know, normally I'd just have, if they weren't, I'd have a Diet Coke or something like that. The minute there was alcohol beverages served. I shifted to a coffee cup, a mug, that tells them, I don't drink alcohol. Because I didn't want for a second anybody to think less of my savior. If I used to take people out, sometimes I had to, to a lunch or a dinner, and there was an option of staying in the, the waiting area or going into the lounge, the, the bar, to wait for your table. I said, we'll wait here. I did not want my customers to see me in a bar. Why? I don't belong there. I don't care if it's waiting for a table. I don't belong there. It's so important, whatever our jobs are, whoever we deal with, that our integrity and our ambassadorship for Jesus Christ is intact. Amen. At last, again, we've gone to do it some. How are we perceived by those around us? How are we perceived? Do people see Jesus in us? Or have we grown indifferent, proud, arrogant? One of the most horrible sins for a Christian to let loose is selfishness. Selfishness is just a poison. And it affects our standing in such a horrible way. 
Remember, we should be we should be genuine. We should be kind, not full of ourselves, not what's in it for me. These are contrary to Christian principles. Do people see us as caring, as humble, as loving? Or do they see us as proud, arrogant? Always have a word, always have a comeback. This isn't a representative of Jesus Christ. So with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, a few little questions left. You know, many talk like Christians, but so few really walk in the path that Jesus Christ wants for them. Do we stand out and reflect, reflect the qualities of our Savior? Again, are we that lighthouse that shows and shares the hope of Jesus Christ? Is our sincerity such that those that come in contact with us find it infectious? We should have, we should be able, and Jesus Christ wants us to be infectious with the love of Christ. Are we building, are we helping to build the kingdom of Christ? through our life in Jesus Christ? Or are we too busy building our own kingdoms? And last, a verse of scripture. But may it never be that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time. We just ask that you would bless it. We thank you for the saints here at San Ramon Valley Bible Church. And this is the church. You're giving us a new building, but this is the church where we are now. We thank you for this place, this time. And we just rest in you and we hope that if there's anyone here today that does not yet know you, Take the blinders off them, Lord Jesus. See how much you love them and how much you want to give them. And change their life. And give them joy and peace. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.